McCrimmon's down on the ice. Down ball. Here comes Shovel Ray. He'll be thrown out of the game. Shovel Day. Now Joseph gets into it. Curtis Joseph grabs Shovel Day. And the two goalies go at it. Head to head. And Joseph with three great rights to Shovel Day. They're nose to nose. Jason Twist, they're going to let him go. Curtis McKenzie wants a piece of someone here. He's going to get a piece of Ryan Reeves. Yeah, if he wants him, he's going to get him. Here they go. He's going to get him. This is a college. Reeves is the deal. Here comes this. I dare you, find me one person who doesn't love the Shovel Day call. I mean, come on, even people who didn't like Ken Wilson, you have to love that call. It's one of the best. Even if you don't like fighting. Best. Seriously, one person. Tweet me, jponder94. I want to hear from you, because I don't think you exist. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Season 7, Episode 7, Franchise Episode Number 140, All-Time, of Let's Go Blues Radio. And of course, this is the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series. It's been a lot of fun so far, so let's uh, get right into this episode. Well, not really right into it. We got some things to talk about first. So, let's talk about iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher and Plex, and how you can subscribe to our show on all of those places, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and of course, you can also find us at letsgoblues.com slash radio. And of course, give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you could. Please leave a review. If you don't like us, then why are you listening right now? Okay, if you don't like us, you can let us know that you don't like us. But we prefer those five-star ratings, so please do so. It helps people find the show. So don't you want this great content getting out to other Blues fans? I know you do. One more thing to touch on before we get into the bulk of the show. The Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament to benefit Be The Match and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society also uh, named after my late father, uh, will be held on Saturday, November 17th from 2 to 10. Technically 1 a.m. because that's how late the bar will stay open. I will be there until the bar closes. Uh, it's at Queenie Park, Midwest Sport Hockey. If you've never been there, it's uh, pretty easy to find. Just uh, go to MidwestSportHockey.com. Uh, Sign-ups for players are currently open over at DropInSTL.com. Just go over to the 2018 SPMCT Tourney Tab, and uh, pay your $50 entrance fee, give us a player questionnaire, and we'd love to have you. And of course, if you are not a player, you're still welcome to come enjoy some bad hockey and bid on our raffles, 50-50 raffles, jersey raffles, everything that we'll have uh, will be there. So it's a lot of fun, and... Um, we're working on some things to, to maybe even make it an online auction. 
stay tuned for that. Don't really have any more news on that other than that's something we're looking into. But it's a lot of fun. And if you uh, are able, if you know anyone or maybe your company's looking to give to a charitable cause, this is a great one. As I said, it benefits the Be The Match Foundation as well as the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, um, which are just two great organizations. If you don't know anything about them, Go ahead and go online and look them up. They're uh, they're they're very near and dear to my heart, as well as the rest of my family. So, recommend that. Also, like I said, if you are wanting to sign up, dropinstl.com. So, before we get into our guest, I uh, do want one more thing to mention. I was actually able to join the gentleman from the We Live Hockey Facebook page. Uh, they have a series they call Your Hockey Team Sucks. And they visit different areas, uh, obviously all 31 NHL teams. They haven't done all of them, but they've done a couple. I want to say five or six now. And uh, they made their St. Louis Blues episode. They were in town for State Wars. They were uh, able to come out and check out the sights of St. Louis with me. So I met with Lee and Travis. We did a fun little six to seven minute video. Uh, It's over at We Live Hockey's Facebook page. You can find that. If you go to the Facebook search bar and type in We Live Hockey, should be the first thing that comes up. Basically, the way the show works is they have a bunch of questions that people ask uh, before they do the show about the team they're going to discuss. And uh, it's basically what irks them about that team. And so their Blues won a lot of talk about wasted talent, bad goaltending over the years, And uh, one big one is, of course, the no Stanley Cups. And uh, Stedman, we have a clip, don't we? Yeah, I believe we have a clip. Thanks, Stedman. Uh, So right here, this clip you're going to hear is uh, us standing in front of Bush Stadium talking about the St. Louis Cardinals. And the question involved why the Blues have not won a cup in their many years of existence. Well, considering that we are standing outside the center of the 11-time World Series championship, hey, hey, we're not fans of this team. You might be. I am. Uh, actually, I think it's a pretty fair argument. Now, here's the deal. It is very hard to win the Stanley Cup, but they have never won one, so it is something that I think fans can definitely talk about as a problem. But the Blues have had a lot of sustained success in the history of their franchise, and that's not something we should ever ignore. They are totally up there with the Detroits and other teams of the world that have done that, but they've never won a cup. It's a very fair point. They've been to the Stanley Cup Final three times. Don't tell anyone they haven't won a game in the Stanley Cup Final. Is that true? It's true. It's true. Yeah. It hurts. Stings just a little. Just a little bit. Must be real blue being a blue. Oh, never heard that one before. Yeah. So, again, if you want to find that video, go over to We Live Hockey's Facebook page. But uh, if you don't want to go through the hassle of that, because I know it's such a hassle to search for things on Facebook. You can go to my Twitter or the uh, Let's Go Blues Radio Twitter, which is jponder94 and LGB Radio. And uh, we did tweet those out, so so just kind of scroll through the media there and you'll find that video. And then, of course, uh, you can also check out my Facebook page, uh, Jeff Ponder, if you search for me. But if you're going to search for me, you might as well just search for We Live Hockey and just give them a like because they're great guys. Now on to... The bulk of the show, and that is with our guest. This week I interviewed Donnie Fandango of 105.7 The Point. His afternoon show runs from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 
He has been in the radio industry for a very long time. Young man, I swear. Young at heart, right? Right, Donnie? Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's just uh, he's seen everything in the industry. It's just been, we had a great candid conversation about, you know, his years as a blues fan, his talk of, we talk about the young blues defensemen, uh, how he thinks the team will finish this season, and uh, there is a lot of talk about his radio career, so uh, don't worry, I know you're going to listen and be like, well, are they ever going to get to the blues? We do get to it, but it was a very long conversation. Donnie and I, we're both two guys that you get us talking and we just don't stop. As you hear now, as this intro seems to be going for way too long. But yeah, Donnie's great, and we have a great conversation. So let's just get into it. Here's my interview with Donnie Fandango of 105.7 The Point. This is Jeff with Let's Go Blues Radio, and today I am joined by a gentleman who runs the midday show between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Central Daylight Time, on 105.7 The Point. You've uh, probably heard him Sunday nights from 7 to 9 for New Music Sundays. And you've probably just heard him on the radio waves in general for a very long time. Donnie Fandango is my guest, and he joins me right now. Donnie, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. It's, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to be on. And, and uh, it's, crazy when, <laughs> it, it's crazy when the years add up with how long I've been in radio to be like, yeah, I'm one of the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been you. Uh, so you started interning in 1995. Is that correct? Uh, it would it would have been 96. 96. Uh, 96 is when I started. 95 was my first full year in college radio. Um, I, 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 I was out at uh, Florida Valley Community College at KCFE there, um, but it didn't take me very long um, once I was there to realize like, oh man, this is exactly what I want to do. You know, and right. so um, once. You know, it, it kind of the radio thing kind of got in me. It was, you know, do whatever it takes to uh, to, to get in the door. And you know, I started interning, and I was just really lucky to have some, some really great people that used to work at the station, um, really um, that were just unbelievably helpful to me early on, and and, and kind of got me started on the right foot and the right path and the, the right way to kind of do things. So uh, you said an intern in 1996. I'll be sure to fire my assistant. Um, <laughs> which is myself, so that's that's going to be an awkward conversation. Uh, but yeah, it really is. I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but I guess not. Uh, so uh, you so you've been working in 1996 was when you started with the Point, correct? Yes. And uh, have you been with them ever since then, or did you ever venture away? Yeah, no, I ventured away for a bit. Um, around 2001, uh, I stepped away from radio for about for about four and a half years, uh, about maybe almost five. Um, and then I, I was doing part-time for about nine, ten months at a radio station, uh, which actually was in this building that I'm in now called The River, 101.1 oh, The right. River. Oh, right. Yeah, and um, it just was not me. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a great station and, and good people, um, but I just kind of when I did that, I knew that I had to somewhat be invested in the music to really – like be good and I just couldn't I, I was just not great from selling Matchbox 20 and Vanessa Carlton records um, so, uh, so outside of one year or a little less than a year at the river the rest of the time was uh, was at the point and then like I said I took about four and a half years away and worked at a place called Slackers and, and really enjoyed that and 
it really kind of rejuvenated my love of, uh, of alternative music and then worked in a warehouse as well, which made me realize how lucky I had it <laughs> working in radio, you know, but, um, you know, all of those good, I mean, all those, you know, good life lessons along the way, man. I mean, because I think that a lot of times in, in my business, we don't know how good that we have it. And so it was nice to kind of get shook a little bit. And once I came back, it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is great. It's like having a job without having a real job. Right. And, uh, and I've just been, been very grateful and, and thankful ever since. I have to ask, which slackers did you work at? Uh, I worked at a couple, but mainly uh, my, my favorite uh, t- time period was uh, at the Zumbel store. Um, I was there for probably almost two years, I think, in, in a full-time and part-time capacity. And um, I've never uh, I've never had a time, and I love my coworkers now a lot, but I have never had a time where uh, I enjoyed working with the people that I worked with as much as these folks at Slackers. And, um they turned me on to so many bands now that I love that, you know, maybe I would have gotten to eventually, um, but they were just so excited to play me things when I got there um, that, uh, I mean, there was just a lot, that, there was just a lot that I didn't know about that they got me hip to, but namely the, the, the St. Charles store, but also, you know, I would sometimes work in the O'Fallon, Missouri store. I trained in the O'Fallon, Illinois store, did some work in the warehouse as well, and then um, I was the manager of the Oak, of the very short-lived Oakville store off of Telegraph. Um, for a little bit as well towards the end of my time with the company. Wow, so, uh, man, I probably ran into you a lot. I, I can't tell you how many paychecks I spent at that Slackers, so I'm sure we crossed <laughs> paths in the past. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to go ahead and uh, ask you something about ha- the, what that happened to you before you started in radio. Uh, you mentioned to me off-air that you were with the Superstars Sports Apparel Company, now, I hear you're an all-star outfielder for the employee softball game. Is that true? Oh, that's, that's, that's such baloney. <laughs> what, 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 happened, what happened that day is, is you, know, you know, there turns a time once you turn 21 and-ish that um, a lot of things revolve around beers and bars and things <laughs> of that nature. And, and that's kind of what I was at that time, freshly turning 21. And, we had a, a, a company softball game, and um, I mean, I, there's no better way to say it, dude. I just got loaded, and um, I'm in the outfield as people are hitting bombs like over my head, and I'm falling. It was just, it was not something that I'm particularly proud of. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that did happen. But you know, for a spell, and I will say this: uh, until I got like older, a little older, I was really, I mean, I was a pretty good outfielder. I had a decent arm, and I covered a lot of ground before I got chubby. And, uh, and I really liked doing that, but somewhere along the way, like in my early 30s, my ability to track a, a ball, even a softball, completely went down the, the crapper. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, that, that particular day, I was, uh, I was a mess, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. For those that uh, listen to the Blues Hockey Podcast, I know Chris Frank was also one of your uh, fellow outfielders for those games, and uh, yeah, he was the one that told me, make sure to ask you about that. Yeah, it was uh, like I said, not one of my uh, not one of my prouder moments, and I do know for sure that I got sick before I even got home that night. So it was one of those <laughs> kinds of things. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I kind of want to fast forward a little bit. I want to mention this early for those that are listening to the show. Uh, you just wrapped up something that that has just been 
kind of a staple for me with with my listening of 105.7 The Point, and that's your Radiothon. You just wrapped it up the the eighth annual this year, I believe. Is that correct? And uh, so, so for those that don't know, maybe those that don't even live in the St. Louis area, can you explain what the Radiothon is and um, who it benefits? Yeah, yeah. We, well, it's, it's 28 hours where essentially um, the program director of The Point turns things over to me. And uh, we broadca- I broadcast live from The Point studio for 28 consecutive hours. I don't sleep. I don't nap. I don't any of that stuff. And uh, we do a, uh, a charity drive where we... For $25, we'll play a song request, even if that's something that we don't normally do. Um, we've played Taylor Swift in the past, and Frank Sinatra, and, and, and uh, Wolf, there it is. And, you know, I mean, like, just randomness. But um, $25 minimum donation, you can get a song on. If you want us to go off the reservation a bit, um, you know, you, you, you buck up a little bit more, and, and, and we'll get to the request a little quicker. But we do it that way, and then also uh, we do $105 business plugs as well, where we'll plug a business. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, do that thing on the air. Now, we do this to, to benefit the Ronald McDonald House Charities of St. Louis. Um, I went there probably about six years ago was the, was the first time that I did it because the first couple of years we um, had kind of uh, divvied up the charity money and things, which I thought was great. But I went to the Ronald McDonald House and off of Pine, and uh, I saw some of those families, and uh, it just made a really big impact on me so uh you know we've been doing it for the ronald mcdonald house in st louis ever since and this year with the listeners help we raised almost fifty three thousand dollars, which is just a stunning amount to me um and uh you know man it's, it's just been one of those things that um i really do genuinely enjoy giving back and really i mean i get so much cool stuff in doing this job that i feel like the least i can do is this you know and so you know, I try to be active whenever folks ask me to do things because uh, there's just so many great causes out there. And, and But again, I think the Ronald McDonald House Charities and what they do for those families um, when they really need help is uh, is pretty remarkable. So anything that I can do to help them along, I, I, I really, really, you know, enjoy doing that as much as I can. How do you stay awake? What is What do you do to, to make sure that you're not falling asleep, you know, at, at 3 a.m. when uh, there's nobody else in the studio likely with you? Yeah, no, I mean, I really just kind of try to take care of myself as best as I can in the days before, which there was actually two years in a row that the Blues had playoff games the night before the Radiothon started. So I would be on the couch, half in, half out, but not wanting to completely go to sleep because I couldn't see what happened with the hockey game. <laughs> but really, it's, it, it, the preparation for it is minimal. It's normally just kind of a couple days after, you know, saying to, to my wife, like, hey, babe, I'm going to be kind of out of commission until probably Saturday night in any, you know, real capacity. Um, but, um, you know, man, again, I think it's just like kind of such a small thing, and it's a lot of fun. The only times that it really sucks is from like 11 a.m., until the time I see the Rizzuto Show guys around 3 or 4. Um, those hours, man, just really seem to drag. But then this year, there were so many requests, um, because normally the requests would dry up in the overnight hours. Well, not this year. They kept going until 6 a.m. So there wasn't really a, a lag or a downtime, which was, uh, uh, which was excellent. So it, it, those, those, once I get past that middle portion of the night and, and, and the early part of the overnight, I usually get a second win once the morning show starts and then a third win once... By 10 a.m. kicks in in those last four hours. Nice. So, uh, kind of want to fast, or I'm sorry, rewind a little bit to talk a little bit more about your career. So, as we said, uh, 
You are a young man. I don't care what you say. You have been on the radio for over two decades. So you can do the math there for everyone listening. Um, how has, in your time, I mean, you've seen social media come through. Uh, you've got people like me podcasting. And then I know with the Rizzuto Show guys, they've got a lot of stuff they have to do socially. So in that time, how has your job really kind of changed uh, to match the landscape? Well, you know, I mean, I think that there's a, a couple of things, and, and namely, obviously, social media being kind of the primary one. Um, you know, the, the, what we do on the air is a, is a small percentage of, of the overall, you know, package. And it's a very, the, the on-air part, obviously, incredibly important and the most important part of it all, uh, but also, too, making sure that there's content on my social pages, making sure when I'm at shows, I'm filming, making sure I'm taking pictures of bands, making sure I'm posting my interviews and all those kinds of things. I mean, that has definitely been, um, that, that's definitely been a, a pretty prominent one. But, um, you know, also, too, um, you know, just seeing the way that, you know, I mean, the, the way that consultants and, and corporations have really um, tightened the screws, I, I think would probably be the, the, the most fair way to say it with playlists and with songs and things, um, you know, there's not a lot of folks that are taking lots of great chances and, and big leaps anymore. And that's been something that's been very noticeable over the years. Now, I'm very grateful to be here and um, to, you know, our former company was in this broadcasting and, you know, we were always had a track record of being very successful. So, you know, as long as we were successful, they kind of let us do what we wanted to do, which is great. And, uh, and so I've kind of been fortunate to be in those those situations, but, you know, I've also had friends that work at other stations in other cities where, um, you know, they don't have even a fraction of the freedom in which that, uh, that I do. And, uh, and so it's, you know, it's definitely been something that, but, but when I got in it though, to be very honest with you, I mean, I knew that change was coming. So it's not like it was anything that was a, a huge shock to the system. Um, it, it's just something that over time, the more the companies are investing in the stations, the more money they're spending, you know, obviously they're going to be very, very particular on, on what's coming out of the speakers. Yeah, so you, you mentioned the, that you've had some success at the point and, and uh, how you've been there a while. And, uh, you know, they've been there for, been around for, what, 25 years now. Um, kind of unheard of for an alternative rock, really just any radio station outside of KMOX who's been around since the Stone Age. Uh, what are they doing differently that has uh, caused them to have so much success over that uh, period of time? Well, I mean, I think, the, I think the big thing and I think the primary thing uh, is knowing your audience and knowing who is listening every day. And I think the whole time that I've been here and involved in programming at incapacity, I mean, we have a, I mean, we live in St. Louis, Missouri, in the middle of America, and guitars always win here. They always <laughs> win. They always will win. I mean, they just will. And so, as much as the format itself has gone very alternative, um, very almost popish, um, we have to play both sides of that fence a bit, and we have to, to, to do the mass appeal Portugal demands and Judah and the Lions, but at the same time, um, you know, our people still love Alice in Chains and love Soundgarden and love Pearl Jam. So, like, it's it's just finding that that right mix. And to be honest, you know, I mean, it changes, and we have to make sure that we're tweaking as we go along. Um, 
because you know the music changes so fast and the people that are listening change so fast but i mean we really do try to do the best that we can to make sure that our people are are happy with what's coming out of the speakers musically and for us um it's 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 definitely rock leaning we're not very we're we're not very much like very many other alternative stations that are on the panel but i think that it's us being true to ourselves and 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 what we know works and you know my boss is from granite city i'm from florissant um we're st louis guys i mean we grew up here we know the people here and so i think that it helps us a lot i think it's way easier for us than somebody that that's coming in and and trying to become a st louis you know what i mean i mean we are and you know whether i you know if, if the point will let me go tomorrow i'm not moving this is where i'm going to be right and this is where i'm going to raise my kids and so um you know it's one of those things man we take with uh we were we, we, not not to be boastful but we're, we're very proud of that you know i mean we uh, just just kind of know in our market because if if it was if the station was programmed as opposed to what the alternative chart has of right now, I don't think that it would be a particularly great thing for us because I don't think it would be a particularly great reflection of what our city would want to listen to. So I uh, I have to comment on the fact you mentioned how you've been on kind of having the alternative side. Uh, I remember back in late 90s, there was a song that was playing on 105.7, What is Love, which people remember from... Uh, uh, the the guys on Saturday Night Live, the Head Bobbers, uh, Night at the Roxbury, that to me was an extremely annoying song. I love it now yeah. because of the SNL skit, but I have to ask because you've had to play so far on the alternative side over your years with the point. Is there one song that stands out that you're just like, oh, I wish that we didn't have to play this song, and it doesn't have to be right now. Anytime you've been with the point. Yeah, well, I mean that's. That's kind of tough, man, because, you know, man, I mean, one of the, you have to balance out personally, you know, what you like and what you think is best for the station. So, like, it's kind of tough in that regard. Um, but, and, I mean, to be very truthful, man, like, I, as much as I love Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, like, Pearl Jam is in my top three favorite bands, but if I never hear Daughter again in the history of my life, I'm going to be okay. So, so, so there's those kinds of songs, but then there's also ones that I just straight up hate, like um, uh, Four Non Blondes, uh, What's Up. Uh, every time I hear that song, I honestly can hear the, the nails on the chalkboard. Um, that is one that, that's just really rough that I can't imagine. Uh, why people? Uh, I guess I understand why people like it. I shouldn't say it that way, but it's just one that, woof, boy, that 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 just gets on my nerves. But you know, I'm pretty open. There's not a lot that I just over the top cannot cannot stand. And you know, again, thankfully, you could turn the studio monitors off. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if it's that if it's that bad, you can you know you can escape from it. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, so over your time, you've also kind of uh, hosted the morning show here and there. You've been on. Lately, you've been on the Rizzuto show uh, when when needed. Um, now, you when you were doing the morning show yourself, you had this crazy novel concept of playing music rather than talking the whole time, and it, people called it the Fandango experiment. How did that go over in St. Louis, and and was that a hard pitch you had to make to your executives to make that happen? No, and actually, it wasn't something that was that was. Um... It was something that was was pitched to me. Hey, we want to play a bunch of morning, a bunch of music in the morning. They had just gotten um, uh, Stern had left the station. They had picked up 
uh, a show called Rover's Morning Glory um, that they did not like, that they didn't want to continue to air. So um, they had asked me to come in and, and just do a, a music-based morning show. And, you know, to be very, very transparent, the show did okay. We, we did okay. Um, but it's when it turned into a talk-based morning show with Woody and Rizzuto that it absolutely positively exploded. And, uh, you know, I think that there kind of showed me that, uh, you know, people don't, there's only a certain percentage of people that want to be challenged musically in general, and there's even a smaller percentage of people that want to be challenged musically at 6.30 in the morning. So, <laughs> so as much as I would love for it to still be talking heads mixed in with System of a Down or whatever craziness that we made happen, um, it was very much a really good learning experience for me um, as just a music head, because sometimes as a music head, I just, um, I, I get kind of tunnel visioned. And, uh, and like I said, that was a, 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 an eye opener. And again, it did well enough that they didn't can me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> once, once the opportunity arose for those guys to put together a more traditional morning show, they took it and the, and the station has exploded since then. So, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I like, I sort of wish were a little different. You know, I wish people um, wouldn't, necessarily been looking to punch out immediately when they heard something that they didn't know but it kind of is what it is at this point as much as I hate saying that phrase and um, and, and people have a lot of choices so uh, we want to make sure that we're giving them probably the most lean and mean choices that we can so you've seen a lot of musical acts in your time whether in studio or going to their concerts obviously the point fest you, you know you're there I believe you've been there every year uh, since you've been with the station uh, what's the best musical act that you've seen? Um, and, and don't have to narrow it down to one. I know it's probably hard. So if you want to throw out a couple, that's fine too. Well, I think the the, the, the best the best live band that I've ever seen was Rage Against the Machine. Um, I had a chance to to be front row uh, for what would have been the last Rage Against the Machine show um, before it was Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. I don't know what version of it it was at that point, um, but. Um, uh, that was just, oh man! I mean, it, it, the crowd, the band—it was just amazing. But uh, those guys, that—that um, that was my favorite live band. I'm not a very close second. Their um, St. Louis guys, The Urge. Um, memories of their shows. Their sweaty, hot, rocking shows at Mississippi Nights are some of my most favorite memories. And that was before I even worked at the radio station. Just being a punk kid from Florissant getting his ass kicked in the pit. Um, I just, I loved everything about that band. I loved the horns. I loved how Steve sang. I loved just everything about it. And um, those those are a couple of my favorites. But, I mean, I've seen Radiohead multiple times, and they're also one of my favorites. The Beastie Boys were incredible every time that I saw them. Um, recently, uh, this past October, I was in Austin for Austin City Limits, and I had a chance to go to a show with Run the Jewels at Stubbs, and that was an incredible experience. You know, it's 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 one of those things, man, where I've just seen so many great ones. It's just kind of hard to single out because there's so because even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about how much I love seeing Coheed and Cambria, and they're one of the best live bands that I've seen because um, they they they're just a broad band you know they're not going to just play a three four minute song and then go into the next one and go into the next one there's some experimentation going on there and there's a bunch but 
But I would say rage number one, um, the urge and the Beastie Boys, not very long, not 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 too far behind. You mentioned earlier that you, you worked at the River. For those in St. Louis, remember it was just kind of a softer rock station. You said it really wasn't kind of your thing, but um, is there a type of music outside of what's played on the point, maybe a band or an artist or even a genre that you do enjoy that uh, you normally wouldn't hear on the point? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that, you know, that's, that's, there's a lot of things, man, that I love that, that we don't play, but my particular sort of go-to when I don't have kids in the car and when I'm able to to listen to what I want to listen to is um, I really like uh, punk rock a lot. I love Bad Religion. Um, I like No Effects when they're not saying stupid things on stage. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I like I like a lot of older, you know, like Rise Against. You know, a lot of bands on like Epitaph and Fat Records. That's kind of like my my sort of musical sweet spot. And boy, I would sure love to play a, a lot more of that. So you're not a Britney Spears fan. No, ma'am, I'm not, but, like, I'm not a fan of Britney Spears, per se, but, dude, I love pop music, and, and absolutely will not shy away from the fact that I bought the last three Taylor Swift albums the day that they came out, and, uh, and, you know, like, and having kids helps that, too, you know, like, um, because you just kind of find yourself getting into, like, what they're getting into, so that you sing along in the car and things, but I just like a good pop song, man, and, uh, that, that's one of the things I think as I've gotten older is just the, the base of my musical expertise. Or not expertise, but, but uh, what I like is, is, is just a lot. Oh, you know what? Hey, going back to the question beforehand, if there was a chance that I could somehow magically make a show where I could play Motown, soul music, and punk rock, I would oh. be all over that. Because wow. I, love, I love that Motown stuff. Just that, that is, is, it reminds me of my parents for one. And, and great memories of being a kid, but I mean, just some of those songs, man, are like some of the best written songs of all time, and some of the Marvin Gaye stuff, and, and you know, I love that. That that would probably be the one that that if I could, you know, you know, pull out the old tool chest every once in a while, that I that I throw in one of those for sure. So, what's your favorite late night snack to have in the back of a limo coming back from a Weezer show in Columbia? I was told that if you if you didn't say beef jerky, you were a liar. Right, right. I would think it would be beef jerky, but I remember that show because Weezer had been gone for a while, and they had came back, and they were just so good that night. And um, it was at, and it was in Columbia, on the flip side of the old Hearn Center, where I guess. Um, like a lot of the track and field, uh, okay. like they would practice and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was kind of a non-traditional cool venue as well. And so like it was just kind of a neat thing all the way around. Boy, boy, Hoss, thanks very much for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that was what he said. Oh, you really have to ask this one. So I, that was, that was all Chris Frank from the Blues Hockey Podcast. <laughs> So let me uh, let me kind of get into the psyche of Donnie Fandango. If you weren't a radio DJ, what would you be doing with your life? Um, well, I had um, I had went to school initially with the idea that I was going to major in political science. Um, I I've you know kind of followed politics for as long as I can remember. I have an uncle um, that you know has worked in it pretty much his whole adult life and. 
I really, that's kind of where I thought my, my path was going. Um, but, you know, what's really kind of crazy is, and I think about it, I don't know. You know, because I, I couldn't have been a teacher. I'm not smart enough to be an electrician or a teacher. You know, like, I don't really know what I would have done. And, and uh, because once I, man, once I sat in with my buddy at KCFB at Flow Valley during his shift, um, when I was a senior, when, when he had just left Paysewood Central, I was just, dude, I was all about it. Like, I, I cannot tell you the excitement that I got every time I went into that KCFE studio. It was, it was such an amazing thing. And, you know, we had 100 watts for crime any sakes. Like, that was, that, that was at Flow in Ferguson, and my parents lived in Florissant, and half the time they couldn't hear the show when I did them, you know? But <laughs> it, it was just still so great and such a great learning lab where I was able to work out you know, things about my personality and, and, and being on air that other people that didn't have access to a station like that didn't get to do. And so, I, like I said, man, I've been, I've been really fortunate this whole ride with timing and, and everything else, you know. It, it's, I, I've been very, very fortunate. So for those uh, listening that might kind of be wanting to do what you do or, or get into the radio field, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, I, I think, I don't know that I received one piece of advice per se, as much as just really good advice early on from guys that had been through the ringer. And I think the one thing that I've always had in my back pocket is a really good work ethic. Um, and um, so early on, when I needed to be on the air from 10 a.m. to 2, or from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., but then the morning show needed me at 6 a.m. to pull traffic or to do whatever, you bet your rear end that I would find a couch or a little spot to sleep for a couple of hours and get up and be bright-eyed and ready to help them and help anybody else. You know, like one of the things that, that I that I question when I see young people get in. God, boy, was that the oldest sounding thing I've ever seen? <laughs> so I wasn't uh, going to say anything. Just tell them to stay off your yard. It is, it is, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, you, they get an idea of these things that they will do or they won't do or, you know, like, and, and, and I don't mean to, like, that they should be doing anything questionable to their morals. I don't mean that, but, like, you know, when you're an intern, you just need to do what needs to be done, whatever that is. If it's folding T-shirts, if it's putting music in the system, if it's handing out stickers at a show, it's it's whatever is asked of you. You need to do it and do it to the best of your ability. And it's and it's I find it very questionable when you see kids that are like scoffing and stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. And it's like that's cool. You don't have to do that. But you know, I think I part of the, one of the reasons I got my gig is because man, they knew that I was in that, that I that this that this was not a passive thing for me, that that how the station sounded and what the station did was very important to me, and I would do whatever I can to make any aspect of that better. And, uh, and, and, I, would, and I would say anybody that still wants to do it, one, you need to go somewhere you can be on air. You need somewhere where you can go and have a learning lab where you can practice um, because we don't have part-time hours like we used to. We don't have an overnight person like we used to. You know, and, and that's how you would train. You would go from doing the weekends a couple nights a week to when you got bumped up, you'd get bumped up to do the overnight. You'd make, you know, 
a small chunk of change, but you would just keep working your way up the ladder, and uh, it's a real short ladder these days. And so you've got to be able to, to not only do your on-air stuff, but most likely work in promotions. And you better be a social media fiend if you're going to be doing this anymore. I mean, you, you, you've really got to want it. And uh, not to say you can't, but if you're kind of half in and half out, it, it, this absolutely isn't for you. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, getting into hockey talk, by the way, 32 minutes into our conversation. So uh, that's right. This is Let's Go Blues Radio. So we are going to talk hockey. Uh, It does seem like hockey fans and alternative rock fans are often one and the same. Uh, Something that comes to mind is how well the Rizzuto Show Takeover did uh, during one of the Blues games this year for one of the promotional nights. Uh, Why do you think that is? You know, I, that's a really great, great question. But the first thing I want to do is brag on my on my dudes. I thought that those guys did an amazing job that night, and I think that there were a certain sect of people, whether it be small, but people that wanted to see them maybe not do as well. And I thought they knocked it out of the park. I just absolutely loved watching them do that that night, and it was a lot of fun to just be in the stands and, and, and watch those guys do what they do because they're so talented. Um, but I think, you know... It's a, that's a really great question because, you know, I hear in other arenas too, and ours, I think they do a great job of mixing like classic rock with new rock and like all those sorts of things. But you know, you hear in a lot of other arenas, the, the Hawks Arena with uh, with Pearl Jam, and I mean, it is definitely very alt based for whatever reason that is. But I am not, I, I couldn't really put a finger on it as to as to why. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's probably better to hear Pearl Jam during a hockey game than. That have been a pop track, maybe that could be it. But um, there's just something is about it that just feels like like it kind of goes hand in hand. But I don't exactly know know what that is. I, I don't know. I just like it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I've asked that to multiple people um, in both the industry and just people I know that like alternative rock and hockey, and their answer is the same. We we just don't know why. We don't know, but it for some reason it works. It's a, it's a good mix. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have to ask: Have you ever played hockey before? You know, I uh, some not not ice hockey. Unfortunately, I was a uh, I, I, I played a little bit of ice hockey enough to play in the Point Verge games, but I played a lot of inline hockey. And where I grew up in Florissant, there used to be this old rink called Spinning Wheels Roller Rink. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, and we would and, and this started when I was probably a senior in high school, and actually probably even younger than that, probably about a junior in high school definitely through college that we would rent it out for two hours virtually every weekend and sometimes two and three times during a week and we would get like a 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. spot or a 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. or really whatever we could find everybody would put pitch in five to seven bucks kind of depending on how many people were playing and we had enough dudes that we were able to scrimmage and um or and play games and spinning wheels had their own team at that time and uh we hated the dudes. Like, we hated them. Like, just, we just thought they were the biggest jackasses, jerk-offs. And uh, so we ended up forming this, like, kind of fun rivalry with these other guys. And so we would play them. And it became, like, a big deal to us. You know, it was like Blues Hawks as far as, as, far as, it, as, far as it went um, for us. And um, I was the worst player on our team by far. But I always, I always worked my butt off. And I was also, imagine this, a little nasty with the other team. I could run my yapper a little bit. No. And, uh, that would, yeah, yeah, imagine <laughs> that. And so, uh, so, so that would sometimes take their eye off the ball. And, 
you know, I never, um, you know, I played with a lot of guys that were really talented and it was amazing to me that, you know, a couple of them played college but didn't go very far. It just shows you how amazing you have to be to make it to the next level. But um, I just loved it so much. I loved playing. I, I was a forward and a lot of times I would play like sort of more of a defensive role because I couldn't score. I had a terrible shot. And so I just loved marking the other guy. I loved being in his back pocket. I, I just loved that, lifting the stick at the last minute or moving his body a little bit or doing something enough to piss him off just enough that it would kind of take his eye off the ball. And, and I was really kind of good at that. And, uh, and, and it was a lot of fun. I have such amazing memories of, uh, of playing at spinning wheels. I got stitches in the head there once, and, you know, like, like just, just, just so many great things, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And even today, and I, I don't play as much as I used to, but my oldest and I will go out in the garage and, and shoot it around. And it's one of those things that I really hope to be able to do again at some point or the other, um, uh, sometime so, so, again in my life because it was just so good and then also I mean you're just physically fit if you're playing that a couple times a week and you're eating relatively decent you're going to be okay health wise I would think for the most part yeah see that's my problem is is I play plenty of hockey but I do not eat well if I did I'd be in fantastic shape <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you got half the battle taken care that's right that's right I'm still I've been working on the other one for 33 years so eventually I'll figure it out so, as I've said before, and the reason you're on the show, Donnie, you're a, a huge hockey fan. You have been, as long as I've listened to you on the radio, which, not to, again, not to, to mention age here, but, but you know, I listened to you back in high school, I remember hearing your show. So, you know, and I'm, I'm 86 years old. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but what, what's your, your first memory as a Blues fan? I think we all kind of have some idea you know, of, of, of what we really remember as kids when we're fans of a team. But for you, what's the first thing you really kind of remember seeing as a fan? Oh, dude, I can, I, can, I can a billion percent remember exactly, and it almost gives me chills thinking about it. Um, I pretended to be my dad to win a pair of tickets to see the Blues and the Winnipeg Jets off of TC-95. Um, I would think probably in... Gosh, 85, 86 somewhere maybe in that window and I remember getting to the arena it was the first time that I'd been to the arena for a hockey game I'd been there for the circus or whatever the heck we'd been there for steamers games most likely um and I remember walking through a corridor next to the longest bathroom line that I could ever remember seeing in my entire life and I remember this strange drip that just came from the ceiling that like hit the edge of my head and ear. And I remember it dripping down and, my, and, and going like, Dad, what was that? And he's like, I've got no idea, but we should probably wipe it off. <laughs> and, like, and, and I remember that game because um, I remember Doug Evans, I think, had two goals that game. And I want to say that one of them might have even been on a penalty shot, if I'm not mistaken. And I just remember being there and we were sitting up high and I just remember going like, oh, my God, I love this. Because I'd always been a baseball fan, first and foremost, primarily. You know, I started reading box scores when I was like six years old, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, I just loved baseball through and through from the time that I can remember. And the hockey thing was kind of a new thing. But once I saw the game live, man, it was over. I was hooked. And it wasn't long after that that I started playing a little pickup and then not long after that that I put on inlines and started playing more and I mean I and I've been absolutely completely hooked ever since 
So would you say that's your greatest memory as a Blues fan, or is there something else that stands out? Uh, I would I would say no. Uh, my greatest memory is being at the Blues Hawks playoff game, uh, where the Blues clinched it at the old arena, where Belfour went batshit crazy and broke a stick over the uh, the goal um, in overtime. I went with my best friend Brandon, and I went with my little brother, and we got a limited view. But they were called they were in, in a considered limited view seats, even though we could see perfectly. But we were in the aisle, like they were the. Um, I can't even remember, I don't even know the best way to explain it, but you could walk around the arena and there would still be seats, like, in that sort of aisle. And I just remember, man, I remember being a horse by the end of the first period. And it just being the greatest thing of all time because we weren't there with our parents, so we could swear. And (laughs) and I remember, like, there was a Hawks, two Hawks fans that were carrying a banner before the game started. And I remember this drunk guy just blowing past me and my buddies to, like, tackle these two guys. And I was just like... Oh, everything about this is so awesome. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I would say that. And then also, too, I remember uh, the Blues home opener a bunch of years ago when uh, the, the night that Stan Musial passed away. And uh, I believe that the car or the Blues had put up six on the Red Wings that night, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, but I went with my, my oldest, my, my son Benjamin. And I just remember, you know, like kind of the moment. It was a great game. We're sitting in the car waiting to get out of the Union Station parking lot, and, you know, the, the news is coming over about Stan, and he's asking questions about that, and we're still kind of pumped about the game. And, you know, man, it's just one of those moments that you just, where it just feels like everything is exactly the way that it should be. And, um, you know, but I get kind of sappy when I start getting with the kids, and I love taking them to games. And, and you know, the, my, the passion for hockey is deep in my house. My oldest loves them. My daughter's now into it. Uh, my youngest still doesn't really care about sports, but that's okay. You know, it's just, um, you know, th- those kinds of things, man, are so special, and I look forward to, 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 to getting to do more of that with them. Yeah, I hear you. I, I got a six-year-old at home, and the most he'll do is he'll watch the games with me, but uh, still no conversations of hockey or anything. I'm looking forward to those, so I hear you on that. The uh, Sharing those moments with the kids is uh, something that yeah, everyone looks forward to. Uh, do, you have, do you have a favorite player of all time? That's, that's such a tough question. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think my fallback and, and kind of the, the easy answer is probably Brett Hall because of where the timing was with Hall and Oates, with Hall and Oates rather, um, and, and me, you know, my love of hockey just exploding. Um, I think that, 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 that he w- would definitely be one but I've always kind of liked the Scrappers, man. Like, I, you know, I loved Bob Bassett back in the day a, a lot. And, you know, so so it's it's hard to say. But I would say Brett Hall would be there. And I would also say that Brendan Shanahan and Curtis Joseph would probably not be too very too, too very far behind. I, I loved Brendan Shanahan when he was here. Uh, so you've had John Kelly on your show pretty often, actually. Do you have a relationship with him? Or is it just kind of one of those things where you're like, hey, please come on my show and... And kind of, is there a relationship between the radio hosts in St. Louis and any Blues or even Cardinals media? Yeah, not, you know, John is legitimately, I mean, one of the best. And they, um, you know, the Fox Sports Midwest people hooked up with the business people at our station and were like, hey, would you like to have John Kelly on the show? And I was like, yeah, of course I would. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I try to be very respectful of John and, you know, I mean, he's a true 
broadcasting legend, and I'm just a chump that plays Pearl Jam records, you know, so <laughs> I try to know my role there, um, but I don't know that there's a, 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 a big relationship, but I do know, you know, like with our morning show the last couple of years and having Carter Hutton on last year, having Kevin Shattenkirk on a couple of years before, um, you know, those guys were, were fans of the station as well as, you know, fans of, you know, the music that we played and then obviously the show that the Rizzuto Show guys put on. So um, that's always pretty crazy. You know, like, like, and it's not, the, it's not hockey, but like, the first time I met David Freeze and he was like, I was like, hey, I'm Donnie. And he was like, yeah, Donnie Fandango. And I was like, holy cow, <laughs> <not> my name. <laughs> like, that was, that was pretty remarkable, man. So, you know, I, but I try to like, you know, man, I, I try to know my role and, and, and I don't know the X's and O's of the game like all those other guys do. You know, I'm just a fan that, that watches on TV and, and does the best he can with the knowledge that he has, which I very much know is limited. So can you uh, break any news here and say who the next uh, Blues player on the Rizzuto show is going to be? You know, I don't know that, as a matter of fact, and I wish I did. Well, I couldn't tell you anyway because those guys would murder me. <laughs> right. No, I, I know that that's been, been a hot topic of conversation for them. And I know that when Carter Hutton signed with Buffalo, you know, and, and not very long after when, when the Blues signed Pat Maroon, I was just like, oh, my gosh, it has to be Pat Maroon. But, yep. you know, I know there's a lot that goes that goes into that. And part of that, too, is, is me having a kid that goes to Oakville and, you know, having Smokeville pride there. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure whomever it is that it will be a good time because those guys turn that into a lot of fun every year that they do it. Oftentimes you have to, uh, uh, you know, go on, go on scheduled events for 105.7 The Point. Is it, is it kind of a, and, and also obviously your, your schedule with having kids and, and everything that you do, uh, is it hard to catch games for you or is it something where you're kind of like, I am going to watch the Blues game tonight, I am not missing a second? Well, it, it, well, here's the thing, man. I have to very much balance that out because realistically, um, I mean, I've got two kids, 10 and under. You know, i got a 10-year-old ten, and an 8-year-old. And when school's coming around, there's work to be done, there's things to be studied, there's outside time we still have to get, there's baths to take. And as much as I love my blues, um, sometimes I will miss the first period or the better part of the first period because we've got stuff going on, or, you know, I, I do try to watch as much as I can, but, you know, man, I'm a dad first and foremost, and I'll have, God willing, I'll have plenty of time to watch as many hockey games as I want when they're older and doing things, but now I like being involved, and then on top of that, my wife is a social worker, so sometimes, you know, you know, her schedule could be, oh, I'll get home at 5, and I'll see you at 5.30, and then sometimes she's not home until 11, you know, depending on what she's dealing with. So, you know, you just got to kind of be mobile. But I, I watch as much as I can, and then also, too, the older that my son has gotten, the more he gets excited watching other teams. So, you know, we'll find ourselves watching Pittsburgh and Toronto or whomever, even if it's just for a period or so to, to catch up on what other teams are, are, are doing. But I don't get to watch as many full games as I like, but it's not for uh, for lack of desire. You know what I mean? I hear you. I just, uh, you know, just want to take care of those other things that need to be taken care of first. Oh, I often catch myself saying, I have to watch this, especially because I have a blues podcast, but... I mean, as you know, it's <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I've got, like I said, I got a six-year-old. Oftentimes, he's got things going on, and then uh, you know, just my hockey schedule because uh, I play ice with uh, all over the St. Louis area. So yeah, it's like 
you got to watch the Blues game. You can't miss it. But uh, it's it's not easy. I know that. I used to do AM radio, too. And um, when I was on there, I, I used to uh, know, hey, you, you know, we need you on the show tomorrow. And, and I'd say, oh, my God, I didn't watch the game. So I'd have to call one of my buddies and say, hey, what happened in the game tonight? What do I need to talk about tomorrow? <laughs> so uh, kind of getting in a little bit more into the Blues themselves and, and kind of the summer they've had. As a fan of the team, I wanted to get your opinion on a couple things. First of all, I mean, obviously the big talk is the upgrades the Blues have made this summer to their offense. You mentioned Pat Maroon, but obviously Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bozak, David Perron all brought in. Um, even with all those upgrades, though, do you think there's an area that they're still lacking that they could maybe try and improve either now or sometime throughout the season? Well, I mean, just from my perspective, the one thing that has been a constant frustration for the Blues, for, for me as a Blues fan over the course of the last year or so, um, and, and I know that this is a, a, an often-picked topic of conversation, <laughs> so I know I'm not breaking any new ground here, but... Um, the, the lack of, of overall toughness on the team, um, it, 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 to me, seemed very apparent. And it seemed um, almost at times that the team was very passive. And, man, that really pissed me off. I, I, I hated that a lot. You know, when you see Alex Petrangelo getting sat on or whatever the, whatever the case may be, it just seemed like – and I know that this is not hockey of 15 years ago where you're taking runs at people and things like that. I, I get that. Um, but still – you got to stick up for your guys, and it feels like at times the Blues have not done a very good job of doing that. And that's something that I, I guess I still continue to, to be a little concerned about. Now, having Pat Maroon definitely, you know, helps, you know, but I, I just hope that there's some answer back when somebody takes a run at 91 or, or takes a run at Shin or, or whomever, you know, like I, I, not, not a stupid amount of toughness, not getting dumb penalties, but you know, hey, these are our guys, and if you do this to our guy, we're going to do that to your guy. And, uh, and and that's, I think, something that is, is is something I wonder about. And then also, too, man, the million-dollar question with Jake Allen, like, are, are you going to be the snake that we all think that you can be and shut people down, or is this going to be another year where you're going to have a month and a half where you're going to be terrible and have to take time off to kind of readjust yourself mentally? Um, I feel like, you know, like everybody has said, I mean, I think this is a make-or-break year for, for Jake Allen here, knowing whether or not he's the number one. And I feel like if we get number one goaltending from him, boy, man, I think this could be a really good team and a really good year. Yeah, and I think playing into that, the Blues have three rather young defensemen still kind of early in their careers and Colton Preco, Joel Edmondson, and Vince Dunn. There's been a lot of talk of possibly trading Pareko, which uh, just... I, it could just be fans. It could just be media. Who knows? Maybe there's something there. But do you see these three guys? Uh, Edmondson obviously just signed to a one-year deal. Do you see them staying with the Blues long-term? Or do you see uh, possibly moving them for either, like you said, goaltending help or even help offensively if it's needed? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of the great unknown. But I always kind of thought... Eh, I always kind of thought the idea of trading Pareko so early was always a little nuts, unless the return that you're getting back is one of those things that you just can't can't not do. I just feel like the big fella is like, I think there's just tons of potential in there. And also, too, I will let you know that I am wearing my 
Rico jersey. So <laughs> I am very biased in that. I thought that Vince Dunn had some really great moments last year. I mean, I feel like this could be one of those things that turns into a strong suit of the team. But I think, again, man, with, with it seems like with young defensemen, it just takes a bit. And, and I think there's still many learning curves ahead for those guys. But I think... Um, I, I think that this could be something that's potentially a, a strength for the team. At least in my eyes, it looks like it very much could be. So you're, uh, first of all, I am with you on the Pareko wagon. Everyone, uh, my other two co-hosts on this show, we talk all the time, why would you trade Pareko? So you are not alone in that, so we're with you. Um, are you? I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, the, the Petrangelo and especially the, the Jamie Benn situation with the toughness. Um are you a believer in Petrangelo as a number one defenseman on this team, and, and do you think he's the leader this team needs? Well, I think that that could be split into two different questions. True. Because I think that he is a phenomenal defender, and I think that he displays you know, your franchise cornerstone stuff. I do. But I very much do question the leadership situation and I very much question sometimes and I don't want to say toughness or whatever because I don't think that that's necessarily what I mean but I do think that there are times where he could be mean where he could just ratchet up the nasty a little bit and I would be I think a little bit more okay with that I think he's a phenomenal defender I'm just not particularly sure yet how I feel about him as a captain and I really hope that that you know I heard all those rumors that there was a rift between him and Steen or there was a Steen side of the locker room and a, and a Petrangelo side of the locker room I really hope that 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 A is not real or if it was that, that it has been you know kind of worked through because that I would think if it hasn't been worked through that that's something that could rear its ugly head again you know this year which which would be maddening so you said this is a make-or-break year for Jake Allen. Do you think this is a make-or-break year for Petrangelo as the team's captain? I mean, I very much think it could be, depending on how things go. But, I mean, I think that they're also going to be very hesitant to admit that there could have been a mistake made by picking him as as, as the captain. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that they're going to probably give – I would think they would give him more wiggle room than they would give Jake Allen. I would. I wonder if if Jake Allen would maybe struggle through the first half of the year or something along those lines. If he wouldn't be somebody that they would be looking to maybe move at the deadline, depending on how the season went. Obviously, um, but I would think that, that that Alex would have some more wiggle room than Jake would. At least from my eyes, I could be wrong there, but that's kind of how I feel. So it's August eighth of two thousand eighteen. We don't know anything except what's on paper. So this is going to be completely a shot in the dark. I'm aware of that, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is this team better than the Chicago Blackhawks? Yes. Nice. Yes. Good. <laughs> I think this team is deeper than the Blackhawks, and I think the Blackhawks are aging quickly. Um, I, I very much, uh, you know, I don't. I wonder if Seabrook and Keith are the same guys that they were even a couple of years ago. And I was having this conversation with somebody the other night, actually, at Greta Van Fleet, um, when we were seeing that band, but... Um, you know, those guys, and I used to not think it mattered, but, dude, those guys over the course of how many years played so much more hockey than other teams that I really do think that it had, uh, I mean, I do think that it's caught up to them to, to a certain extent. But, yes, I do think that we're better than the, than the Hawks, and I will be very disappointed if we aren't better than the Hawks throughout the entire 
course of the year. And maybe I'm underestimating them and I shouldn't do that um, because maybe my hatred is overseeing that a little bit. But, <laughs> but I, I do think that they are better and I do think that they're deeper. I have to ask you, because a lot of people don't agree with me on this. Um, I still hate the Detroit Red Wings. How do you feel about them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good oh, man. Absolutely so. Good yeah, man. I mean, I, that, because that was ingrained in me when I was a kid. I mean, I remember, oh, this was stupid of me, but I remember being you know, 16 or 17 years old and barking with a Red Wings fan about who was better, Brett Hall or Steve Eisenman. And, uh, like, I just hated, you know, Probert and, and all of that, man. I just hated those guys. So, yes, they are still absolutely on my hate list. Uh, I guarantee you didn't make the same mistake I did. When I was in college, I dated a Red Wings fan. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, man, we all make mistakes. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, kind of, again, projecting forward for the Blues, obviously a lot could happen, but knowing what you know, uh, where do you see them finishing? Are they a playoff team? Are they are they a team battling for the central lead? Or do you think they finish outside of the playoffs again? No, I think that this is absolutely a playoff team, no doubt about it. And I see no reason why this team is not competing with the best of the best in the Western Conference. I really believe that with this team. Now, with that said, I'm also a guy that one year ago, well, actually it's been longer than a year ago, but predicted that the Blues would be markably better last year and would play in the Stanley Cup Finals, which the Rizzuto Show guys wrote down <laughs> on a post-it that was still there in the studio when we left last week. So sometimes I get a little skewed and my homerism completely takes over. But I really do honestly think that, I, I think that this has the potential to be one of the best Blues teams that we've seen in a while. Who is the best Blues team? If you can remember a year, um, is there a team that you kind of remember and say, this was the team that should have won the cup, but just for whatever reason didn't. What was the year that we went to the conference finals against the Avalanche? Was that 2001? And I agree with you. 2001. That was kind of the one that 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 I remember after that series is over, being like, if it's not with this team, what the hell is it going to take? Yeah. Like that 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 one I that one I remember you know pretty distinctly as just being I mean just a buzzsaw, um, and, and that was. Well, like many other Blues disappointments, that was a that was a tough one. Good old Roman Turk. Gotta love that year. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, Donnie, this has been a lot of fun. We're coming up on an hour here, so uh, we're going to wrap this up. But I do want to give you time to let our listeners know how they can find you on social media, where they can find your show, and how they can interact with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm on uh, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Fandango1057 all the way through F-A-N-D-A-N-G-O. Um, I do 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.7 The Point in St. Louis. You can find us at 1057thepoint.com. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you you having me on this show. This has been a, a lot of fun, and I hope I didn't talk your ear off too much. I, when I get the opportunity to uh, to chat, I'm, uh, I'm not shy. Oh, you're a radio guy, man. That's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, anytime. Anytime at all. Well, I again want to thank Donnie for coming on. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Fandango, F-A-N-D-A-N-G-O-1057. Uh, his show runs again from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Central Daylight Time. You can go to 1057thepoint.com if you'd like to stream the show. 
105.7, the point on your radio dials, 105.7. Uh, don't really need to explain that one, I would hope. Big thank you to him. That was a, a really fun guest to have and, and uh, hope to get some more like him that, that just kind of go off the rails on conversation more as this uh, show goes for about another month until we uh, hit training camp. So very exciting to uh, to continue this for another couple weeks. And then, of course, we'll have our usual live shows that um, you can podcast later. So make sure you stay tuned for those. Big thanks to Smash and Gene Ackman for the use of their song, Let's Go Blues. And, of course, a big thanks to the late Johnny Johnson for that awesome piano solo that I make sure to include every week. Big news for next week's show, as uh, Smash and Gene, we're working out having them on to actually discuss the creation of their song, as well as being just big St. Louis sports fans. Again, they've made songs about the Cardinals, the Rams when they were here, and uh, I believe both of them are still in bands that tour the area. So, hoping to have them on. Don't know for sure, but I have been in talks with them, and if not next week, it'll be the week after. So, uh, stay tuned for that, because uh, for those that remember Smash from his days with 103.3, he's a very entertaining guy, just like Donnie was. Um, these radio guys, they, they like to talk. And uh, I love talking to them because uh, uh, it's less of, of me filling air, right? I mean, people don't want to hear me talk. They want to hear the people that I bring on. Twitter handles for the show. You can find the show Twitter at LGB Radio. My co-hosts, who aren't here right now but will be in the next month when we start recording our regular shows, Kurt Price is at Kurt Price. That's Kurt with a C. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note, and then myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder94. Well, again, I am hoping to have Smash and Gene on next week. If not, stay tuned to me on Twitter and Facebook, and I will update you if that changes. Well, it was a good show. Thank you again, Donnie Fandango, and thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you next week on the next episode of the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series of Let's Go Blues Radio. The blues are red hot, just like you fans in the stands. We're burning up the ice. Coach Q, you dumb man. It's the blues turn now. Yeah, it's the blues turn now. With Finley, Bronger, and Terjean, you know we can't lose. We are St. Louis, the home of the Hey!